Welcome, friends, to another episode of Champion Hope. I am your host and guide, Lance Howard. In this podcast and all things related to Champion Hope, you can find at championhope.com. This resource and the emails and courses and the coaching I provide are intended to help Christian men like yourself and kingdom leaders become fully alive from the bedroom to the boardroom in the adventure of following God. Thank you for allowing me to journey with you in 2021. I look forward to what the days have in store for us as we turn the corner to 2022. You will not want to miss this episode with Seth Buekley and some of the things that could be helpful to you as you turn a corner into 2022. Before we jump into today's podcast, if you're like me and many of the men I serve, you like quick information. I have created resources for you that you can find at championhope.com. One being a book and a guide called Jumpstart, 46 quick ways for a Christian man to be fully alive. The second is a free course I recently finished. You can find that at championhope.com or championhusband.com. And in this free five-day challenge course, I offer you a perspective that helps you overcome your shadow self and step into your superpower and how to lead your wife in more meaningful intimacy from the kitchen to the bedroom. So please check that out. Subscribe and let me know what you think about that five-day challenge to lead your wife into a more meaningful relationship in 2022. Thank you for being here. And before I dive into today's episode, let me introduce to you Seth Buekley. Seth and I have had the honor to journey together the last six months. One, as a coaching client. Two, as a friend. Seth has made tons of money, lost tons of money. He runs Cathedral Consulting, and he is an author and podcaster as well. His book, Ambition, Leading with Gratitude, explores the intersection of his life of growing up in a commune and being modeled and shaped by his dad to become the leader that he is today. The triumphs and the journeys along the way of how he's made a lot of money and lost a lot of money. And ultimately, how all of this is rooted in his kingdom identity as a beloved son of God. Seth is not only a friend and a coaching client, he is also become a mentor to me. Oftentimes, this coaching relationship becomes iron sharpens iron. It seems like it's a one-way street, but it often turns into a two-way street or oftentimes more like a dance together. Because you see, as I serve my clients, yes, you grow, but along the way, I am being changed and transformed as well. And I'm thankful for my friend, Seth, and how he has given me perspective and grace and courage on this journey. Seth is a decade ahead of me in this journey. And you may be thinking, how could somebody like Lance coach Seth? Well, possibly you're not thinking that, but that's what I think. Uh, But I had the courage to reach out to him, as you'll hear in this podcast. 
um, about nine months ago because I heard him on another podcast talking about how he currently does not have a coach and was looking for a coach. And so I stepped into that place of 20 seconds of courage and began the relationship. This relationship is a dynamic relationship that I think you'll be encouraged by in this podcast episode today. And thank you for taking time to listen. May you be blessed on your journey. And remember that champions on the outside are built with hope on the inside. Without further ado, here's my guest, Seth Bueckley. Jump in here and keep rolling. Thanks for your willingness to do this. And I'm definitely honored to have journeyed with you the last six months, uh, for sure, as well. As a as just a kind of precursor to the cursor of getting started, uh, like what has been meaningful to you the last two or three weeks since we've kind of last had our conversation? Yeah, thanks. Um, I've really been, I think, convicted by the Lord that um, I, I still default to trying to make it happen on my own strength. And um, so just needing to recommit to the person of Christ and the Lordship of Christ at a, you know, and, and respond to the invitation to walk with him as opposed to try to figure it all out. So when you talked about that pressure of feeling like maybe I need to get away and plan for next year, for me, that is an expression of me feeling like, oh, I need to figure this out because if I don't figure it out, it's not going to work well. Mm-hmm. And I think planning and intentionality matters, but I also am I'm hungering to grow in being spirit led mm-hmm. because I feel like I haven't been. And so that's, and so where it shows up is, you know, you take on big things, you're making big transitions and pivots, things that are uncomfortable because they involve change. And then that lack of comfort, absent that confidence and that, that comfort of walking with the Lord, it turns to stress. Yeah. So well, that's as what a, he's been guiding me through, you know. Well, knowing you well enough at this point uh, as a, as an Enneagram seven, I mean, it's pretty intense and difficult to do to, to kind of slow down at a rhythm of life and pace that your heart is able to engage of not jumping on to the next thing. So mm-hmm. I think that's incredibly insightful um, and, and season of life that you find yourself in. Yep. And I don't learn the easy way. I only learn the hard way. On most of these things, so, you know, like, like, what the heck, you know? But it's all right. The Lord is gracious. I think, you know, uh, I often say pain causes change. So, you know, if, if you're listening and open, I think He gets He intervenes and says, "Hold on. The reason you feel this way is you're trying to do it on your own." And it, you know, through podcasts, through coaches, through uh, spouse, you know, he speaks to those issues. So, yeah. so Thank Seth, goodness. you, uh, you're a podcaster, author, 
serial entrepreneur. Uh, he started and stopped several endeavors. Um, and rereading some of your book, Ambition Leading with Gratitude. I'm just reminded of all the triumphs you've had and all the struggles you've had along the way. I mean, you, you've essentially lost tons of money and uh, made tons of money. For, for a kingdom perspective for a moment, um, how do you stay grounded in the midst of it all? Well, I think, uh, you know, God's, God's grace, um, I've been thinking lately that he gives us mercy, which is not rewarding us for the things we've earned that are negative, you know, consequences and grace, which I think is, you know, this unmerited favor to go forward. And so um, trying to be mindful that, all right, this is, this is God's world and he's given me opportunities that have been huge blessings. And he's also used the trials of life to shape me. Um, you know, ultimately you mentioned being a kingdom focused, you know, every kingdom has a king. And at the end of the day, you have to come to the conclusion, am I in charge of this life or am I not? Uh, the challenge that I have is people will often do, we will do what we want for, I would say, not godly motives. And we will justify it because um, because we say we're just being responsible. Mm. But we're that's not true. We tell ourselves that, but it's not true. What 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 the reality is is we're um, trying to stamp God's approval and God's kingdom on our own agendas. And so um, from time to time, as you said, you know, how do you do it? I think I think God says. I don't think God says. God says that you know we're called. You know we're redeemed. We're marked. We're set apart apart we're sanctified all of those things speak to being his and ultimately says the guy says this is a jealous god and that jealousy of what is mine is mine and i don't easily let go of it so i think god for the kingdom-minded person who has devoted themselves to the lord and been redeemed by the lord i believe that his spirit continually corrals us towards what we're supposed to be about if we will listen and then to the when we don't listen, that's I believe when we get over our skis and you know we start pursuing our own agendas again, often stamping it with oh I'm just being diligent, I'm just being faithful, I'm just being responsible. But um, I think God requires that we surrender fairly regularly, uh, and so uh, maybe that was the short answer: is you have to surrender uh, uh, often. Right. And it's, a, it's amazing how often, whether it's our marriage, life, business decision, decision with our kids, that we've made a decision. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, oh, yeah, I need to make sure I include God in this. Kind of like what you're saying, this, this stamping God onto yeah. this decision that mm -hmm. I've made, yet we haven't spent any silence, solitude, sought advice yeah. or wisdom, mentorship from others. Um, you know, I'm reminded of that verse as you're talking to you know, whether you turn to the left or to turn to the right, that you'll hear his voice and walk yeah. in his ways. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think about that. I'll go before you and behind you. That's what I was thinking about mercy and grace. It just hit me the other day. Mercy, I feel like reflects behind me. He's covered just the things behind me. Grace covers the things in front of me. I'm like, all right, now if I can just stay with you. 
we're pretty good here. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So I want to ask some like closing coaching conversation questions. Um, I mean, kind of as we come to a season right now of six months of working together, uh, I'm deeply honored uh, by our time. But I want to go back to uh, just me initially even reaching out to you. I heard you on a yeah. uh, Shane Sam's Shane Sam's podcast, and you know, in my email that I sent to you, I just felt the spirit lead me to to say, "Hey, uh, this guy is clearly head and shoulders above where I'm at currently in life." Um, but will you take me back to kind of like? I guess why you said yes to a coaching relationship with me, right? I mean, you're a little bit more than a decade ahead of me. Uh, you've got kids, basically empty nest season. Uh, you made tons more money than I've made. Um, but why did you say yes? Like, what was that, that that led you to say yes to our relationship? My door just opened behind me, so I got to close that. You're good. Well, the first word that I would say that comes to mind is moxie, because I thought it took moxie from you to reach out. And, and I like that. I admire that. I, I could see myself doing that. It's like, I don't, I don't care what anybody else says. Yeah. I get a choice here. Do I reach out or do I not? And that you, you did it. And that you, and that you also said you felt like the spirit was, was uh, telling you to do so. I also had been in a season without a coach and that's what you heard me talking about it on sham. Like I I don't have a coach right now, which for me is odd because I almost always have a coach, but I did have a sense that um, I wanted a different kind of a coach, a different kind of experience. And so the fact that you were coming at it from a different angle, have a ministry background that you're, you're moving into more of a platform and then, and then the areas that you spoke about um, marriage, you know, men, uh, you know, developing this champion, you know, spirit, um, mm-hmm. even issues of, of sex life and things like that. I'm like, in health, I'm like, yeah, those are areas that I'd like to have conversations with somebody. And, uh, you know, you reached out and I thought, all right, this will be different. This will be good. And it has been different and it has been good. And uh, yeah, it's been a blessing. Yeah. So if you don't mind, uh, could you share those three things that we initially got started on uh, within reasonable scope of confidentiality of what you desire to share? Sure. Uh, I, to the extent I can remember them. Um, <laughs> uh, I'll start with the most important sex life. I'm joking. Uh, I was like, you know what? I want to have some real conversations with somebody. This will be weird, but I'm like, I just kind of need somebody that I can talk to about, you know, seasons of life. You know, my wife and I are both 50s approaching empty nest. And, you know, there's all sorts of voices and things out there. And I just needed a safe place where I could just say, hey, here's what's what's going on. Here's what I'm thinking. You know, am I crazy? Am I unrealistic? Am I, where am I? Uh, That was important. Um, Finances, that I needed to make some grown-up moves. You know, I'm very much an entrepreneur. Uh, I laugh at some people. I call them riverboat gamblers. But there's a little bit of me that's a, a little bit of, I'll swing for the fence. And... Um, I don't like administrative stuff. And so I've, I'm like, all right, I need to make some real progress on not just always thinking I can play offense, but play a little defense, be a little bit responsible on the financial planning side. And the third thing was health. 
um, I wanted to uh, have a different perspective and a measure of accountability to, to move the needle on that. And, and I can say without blowing smoke at you, I made progress in, in, each, of the, in each of those areas. Oh. Let me say that again. I can say that I made progress in, in each of those areas. I can't declare victory right. in each of those areas other than I, I think my health. I mean, I got way past my, I did, had a layup what goal weight of, I was at like 174. I said, you know, I'd really like to get to 165. And then on my way to 165, I said, you know what? You're shooting a layup here. You know, you could get to 160. Well, I'm under 160 now and I'm steady there. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on that. Um, had some breakthroughs, got, got a financial wealth planner locked in, gave me a structure to work inside of. And now I'm in the process of, now I got action steps I need to take to make that work. And then the sex life, we've had some great, you know, conversations. We've had our ups and downs and, you know, learning together. And uh, I can call it a season of, of progress. There's been times where I'm like, holy cow, this is awesome. We're done. And there's other times I'm like, oh, geez, you know, what the heck happened? Uh -huh. So, you know, you, um, I think that's relational. So that one, of course, probably is the most dynamic of, of all is how does, you know, in, in the marriage relationship is a, a unique mystery from the yeah. Lord. You know? Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for being vulnerable to, to share those. Um, I know as we, as we got started, right, in any relationship, there's there's kind of this dancing that kind of goes on. We, it takes a little while to figure out the synergy uh, behind a, a coaching coaching relationship. But as mm -hmm. as you figured that out uh, in our, our time together, and as you look back to some of that initial um, beginning time, what did you find? for you most meaningful in your own personal growth in that early season? You know, I think uh, you and I were able to establish trust pretty early to where I, I, I think I could bring frustrations um, and just kind of vent a little bit and ask you, you know, what you were hearing. Um, you do a really nice job of asking questions. That's actually one thing I've, I've appreciated about your coaching style. There's a lot of different coaching styles. There's, mm -hmm. hey, I have a program. I'm going to march you through the program. There's, hey, what do you want to talk about today? And then there's kind of these hybrid, you know, and, and, and I've been uh, you know, learning from you in your style of being thoughtful in your questions, but also using your phrases, you know, creating space to let things settle and, you know, it takes, in my view, it takes courage to kind of let things evolve in a coaching session. Uh, I am also a coach. And so I know what it feels like to be that inner voice of, well, I need to do something here. I'm not adding value or all that. And, and I, I think you've worked well with me to keep it, keep the pace, keep the pace going. So that I don't get bored because I'm kind of one of those guys that moves pretty fast, but, but also to say, hold on, we got to camp here for a little bit. I don't think we're done. What about this? What about that? Um, that's been you know, helpful. Yeah. Well, you know, I've, I've already referenced it, uh, but I kind of even felt that myself is that how do I stay attuned and self-aware of what's going on in our relationship uh, as, as a coach, uh, but also being aware that, you know, several of our sessions, you know, we covered a gamut of topics. And then there was one or two sessions, um, you know, in the midst of you sitting on the, uh, on the school board chair, there's one session, it was just like, man, you needed a process. 
specifically yeah. what was going on in your context. And that's all we talked about for that uh, complete hour. And so yeah. the gamut of our conversation really was everything. Um, and as we close out this year, and this may or may not have anything to do with coaching, but what are, what are the three top strengths that you brought into 2021? Uh, I think one is I, I, I don't allow myself to stay a victim very long, you know, agency, right? I'm like, all right, if it's screwed up, I screwed it up. Okay, then I should be able to work my way out of it. So there's, there's got to be a way and to not settle for this is just the way it is. They say, no, it, it can change. And if I have to take action, if I get outside voices, I have to stop something. If I have to give something up, if I have to re-examine the premise of the problem I'm trying to solve and the, all, all that, uh, you know, so I just, I have a, a high level of, um, you know, I, I can figure this out through God's grace, you know, <laughs> and yeah, so that I, I would say I, I bring, a, it's almost a commitment and a, you know, no can never be the answer unless it's the Lord saying, hey, no, not now. Right. But if it's like, all right, I'm trying to work on this. Yeah, it's hard. But we can figure it out. And so maybe this, this idea of agency is, I think, kind of a way I roll. Well, let me let me pause there for a moment, because, you know, as everybody listens to this, I mean, your your, your book talks about your dynamics of, of growing up in a commune. Mm. Right. And the reality is, is that for some of us, we, we don't realize our own agency and our own responsibility. Um, mm -hmm. And so many leaders are, uh, to some degrees, playing that victim mindset. Um, yeah. But, but I think that's interesting. You bring that to the table in terms of one of your strengths for this year. But it's also probably something that you've, you realize, like, growing out of the commune and, and, and leaving that uh, years ago um, that you realize you have much more agency than what you realize. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, I think things have to enter into your heart and your vision of, uh, before you can believe for it. Uh, back to your earlier question about why one of the reasons I want to work with you is I value the fact that you were coming from a different universe than I'm in, in some ways, not that far, but right. to me, it, it, it was interesting um, and has been. Um, you know, I was thinking about something else on what I bring into this year. One of the things that happened this year is I turned 50. I also crashed my boat off the coast of Costa Rica without a life vest. And that uh, was, again, a reminder that life is short. And then a little bit of an urgency and responsibility around life is short, make it count. You know, early on, when I had one of those moments when my best friend died and a head on crash, it, the message was life is short, live for God. Well, I do live for God now, but now I'm 50, I crashed my boat and I have another epiphany, which is life is short, make it count. Because I'm, I'm at 18 or 19 years old, Actually, I think it was 17. When, I, when my friend died, I had nothing but time ahead of me. 
And what mattered most is that I got a right relationship with God. And that was a catalyst for that. At 50, the life is short. You have a relationship with God. Now make it count. Um, was is was kind of a, a a message that I had coming into the year, and I think that was what caused me to say, all right, what are these important areas? Back to the marriage, back to finance, back to health. You know, um, probably maybe why those three things were on the top of my mind, like, hey, what, where do I want to make progress? It's probably because I'm like, what are the most important things in my life? Um, relationships probably should make that list. I'm working on that too, but. Well, and, and as you're talking, um, you know, don't be so hard on yourself. Cause I'm, I'm reflecting on you and your son's trip to, to Austin, right? You got your Ducati, yeah. uh, some point this year and yeah. you made it, made an intentional trip with your son. Um, and so there's, there's elements yeah. of like life is short, but you're still maximizing time with family, um, to grow in that area. I mean, even some of our conversations about, how do you, how do you spend time with the, the grand the grandkids, you know? Um, yeah. 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 No, this is true. And uh, in fact, I've been thinking one of the things I would like to do by the end of the year, if I can, is take maybe 20 slides, maybe 24, like two per month from my phone hmm. and make, and, and watch it with the family as a way to reconnect with what happened this year. So part of what I know about my personality is I live in the future. But when I can stop like you just did and say, don't forget, you had these really powerful, intentional moments mm -hmm. with with family in the midst of it, that adds the savor you know, of life. And uh, I need to I will do that. It's been something that's been on my mind for a couple of weeks now. I, you know, every now and then your my iPhone will play a, a little montage with a little music behind it, you know, um, and about two thirds of the pictures are great. The other ones are like, why did it include that? <laughs> <laughs> but it can, but it connects us with these powerful moments. Yeah. And uh, I thought, you know what, that would be a great exercise for family. Yeah. Like what were your highlights of the year? And maybe each of us do that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Could I, can I go back to one of the times uh, it was one of the, the challenging practices I, I shared with you about, you know, sitting in silence and solitude specifically and centering prayer it seemed, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seemed like you practice it for a season. And then you were like, I'm not sure if this is for me, but it, it sounded like you almost kind of came back full circle to it to some degree of, of even what you're echoing now of like, how do you slow down and pay attention to yourself yeah. without jumping onto the next thing? So, so what was meaningful in trying that experience uh, for you? Um, it was hard. Uh, it's still hard. Um, I think it, I think what, what, with that exercise, plus other people speaking that I respect talking about how listening prayer has impacted them. And then my own personal epiphanies around, yeah, you, you know, you, you like to read your Bible and talk about the great things of God and you love God but you, you're not really inviting them in at a person at a one-on-one -on -one, here's what I'm going to do today, Lord, or here's what's on my list. How do I listen for your voice in the middle of it? Or here's something I'm wrestling with. How would you have me do it? I'm, I'm still, uh, I'm still baby steps. So how would I describe, you know, so I would say 
your challenge to me to begin to do more of that silence. Um, A, it was hard. B, it was intriguing, made me want more of it. But, um, and it reinforced, yeah, that I that it's something I, I need to do. And I want to do, but um, definitely didn't internalize it and get it to the point it was something I'm, I am doing. Strangely enough, I, I've been able to do it with my diet, my exercise, yeah. a few other things. Easier than this thing, which as a believer should be like the most important and, and frankly easiest thing. So yeah. I'm a little perplexed as why I haven't made ultimate progress there, but you know, that's where I'm at. I don't, I don't think it's anything unique to yourself. I, I think it's, I wouldn't think so. <laughs> this idea of like high capacity kingdom men and our North American culture doesn't help, you know, we're, we're running full throttle. Yeah. But as we try to engage in this kind of this transformational wholehearted integrated approach of coaching, it really is just saying what is it that 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 I'm scared of if I sit with myself? You know, because because we do go at mock speed, whatever your leadership role is, and some of these practices, whether it's journaling, silence, the Sabbath, are really a mirror back of ourselves, like, okay, what's what's really going on? How do how do I truly experience myself? You know, how do I truly experience my heart right now in this season? What, what for you, Seth, yeah. uh, as, as we turn the corner to 2022, you get to the end of December next year. What is it that you need to currently leave behind in order to optimize your 2022? I think there's something um, I think there's something around obligation and other people's expectations that I've got to work through. Hmm. I think sometimes I'll wrap myself in a knot around something that's very, very difficult because I'm trying to get to an outcome or deliver on some promise that I feel like I've made that it's just too heavy, it's too hard. And it's either the front end that I've created obligations and expectations that I don't really care about, or it's maybe these unspoken conversations I have. So maybe a little bit of uh, living free, mm. you know, um, I guess that wouldn't shock you with my personality type that I value freedom, right? But it's not freedom from responsibility so much. It's just freedom from obligation and of things I don't care about. You know, I like to, I'd like to be free enough. In fact, I, I can share this with you since, since we're being real here. Hold on, I'm looking for it. No, I, I, can, I can quote this. I, I have it written. So I wrote, I wrote a poem. I'm going to share it for you and your listeners or whoever you share this with. And it was a poem that came as a, I was listening to a podcast, a guy named Chris Hodges who's a pastor in Birmingham. He's launched like six, 900 churches. I mean, just amazing ministry. But he's talking about mental health burnout, overload, that is something that we don't talk a lot about. And he'd written, I think he'd written a book about it and he was starting just, you know, just talking about it with, with guys. And he was saying, you know, I just, I realized he realized he was overloaded, consuming way too much media, 
um, worried about things not, that were really none of his business. And he just kind of had this interesting conversation like, hey, sometimes it's okay just to not know something. We don't have to grab our phone and research it. It's like, what do we need to know these things? And then he shifted or, and spoke to the word pace. Like, I'm just keeping an unreasonable pace. And then that one really got my attention. And then it was like, you know, it's like we run through this life and we've really got both hands full, but they're, we're, they're full. So we really can't pick anything else up, no matter what, like the yeah. people in our lives or what the Lord would have for us. And it just really stuck with me. So then I'm, I'm a part of a YPO. Um, so I was at a YPO event and we had a famous poet come in. And in Q. And he's this really hip hop poet, very sharp, very legit. So he walks us through this exercise where we had to write poetry. Mm. And so I wrote a, I wrote a poem about that idea that came from Pastor Hodges around um, having handful. So here's, it's called both handful. Both handful, but full of what? of meaning and memories or obligations and stuff. Both hands full, but why such pace? This breathless effort, this endless chase. One handful, that's enough. The other open for those we love. That's full. So that's where I would like to get hmm. one handful. And to be able to, the right stuff, though. To, to be able to sit and to be able to receive as well. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hard for, for leaders, for good men, Christian men to receive. It is. Yeah, I had a friend the other day. I uh, was talking about gratitude, and I had I had listened to a podcast and had given a talk on a gratitude adjustment and the power of gratitude to really transform ambitious people and really all of us because we go into the season of the holidays and we're told it's a season of joy, but for many people it's not because you've you've lost someone because of what's going on in our country it just you, you you know because of pain in our past our life and, and through a variety of whether it's seasonal or just life we find our we can find ourselves in very negative mindset oh, yep. and then but then really zeroing in on gratitude as a way to kind of unlock that and some of the research says it's not just expressing gratitude but it's actually receiving gratitude does something else in our mind, in our brain with the neurotransmitters and whatnot. And then observing somebody else receiving gratitude or giving thanks also does the same thing in our mind. And so it was, it was an interesting bit of information I hadn't been aware of that it's not just us being thankful, which as a, as a person of faith, to me, that's where I go, right? To God's love, Christ's sacrifice for us, this invitation to trust him and then all these areas of my life that I get to live in that's very much John 3 16 yeah. hierarchy of thought starts with God loves it ends up with me saved having eternal life here and then also in the kingdom to come and that 
really I'm playing with house money at this point to use a gambling yeah. analogy, right? It's like, now I just, I get the privilege of doing this. And so I'm grateful for that. But then this idea that receiving gratitude from others actually changes our mind. And then watching the inner, the people perceiving other people expressing and receiving gratitude also has an impact on our mind. And that was a, a, a bit of data I hadn't been aware of that I need to understand more. But I had one of the guys on the, uh, that I was speaking to, the friend of mine at this company, he said, I struggle when people want to recognize me for the good work that I'm doing. How do you handle that? Mm. I said, well, if I'm honest, I just tell myself to shut up. Because normally what will happen is somebody will be in the middle of thanking or, you know, recognizing me and my inner stereo goes up so loud that I'm not listening to them. I'm not receiving it, but I didn't tell them this part. I said, but I'm thinking about what I'm going to say. And usually yeah. the stuff I say is it's stupid. It's, it's words that fill the air that I wish I'd never would have said, but it's a reaction rather than just shut up and simply say, thank you. Yeah. And so there's my riff on that idea of we, we do have a hard time receiving gratitude. And yeah. I think sometimes the best way is just, they don't say anything other than thank you. It's very kind. Yeah. You know? it, it's interesting that we got on this, this thread because I'm in a, in a coaching uh, cohort right now. And I said, the facilitator said something to me, you know, just affirmation, encouragement type of uh, sentiment. And I said, thank you. And I said, thank you for X, Y, Z back to him. But ever since that conversation, and it goes back to what you just said, is that pay attention to when people give you these kudos, these fist bumps, these high fives in life, um, and, and just simply receive it and say, thank you. And so it's interesting that we're talking about this because I've been trying to pay attention to that in myself, but it goes into the, our marriage dynamic. And, and what is our ability not to be able to receive from our wife, right? Um, whatever that context is, just being able to say thank you. Uh, so I've, are you finding that struggle to be real, just to simply say thank you and, and like be okay with just a simple, I'm going to receive this and, and leave it as, as it is? Sometimes. I think I, 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 think I do better at it. Um, You know, I think one of the ideas as I've I, growing, become more healthy, um, you actually begin to acknowledge that you have needs. Mm. So um, one of the things about my personality type that I didn't really understand and frankly I don't like is they say that like a seven on the Enneagram uh, is that we like um to be told thank you and we want recognition uh not like all praise the mighty you know but but right. we want to be told thank you we want you know I, I need to look up the exact words but but there's part of me that doesn't want that to be true there's part of me that says no a great noble leader cares not of the thanks of men we serve a high you know right uh and i you know i could make a pivot into this to say in, in our sex life Oh. Right? It's part of me that wishes I didn't have any 
needs that I, all I had was generosity of heart, you know, but the truth is we all have needs. And, and back to the, if I do have a need for somebody to say, thank you, then I need to be okay to say, yeah, that actually matters. And they said, thanks. And I received it and we're good and it's okay. You know? So, well, so, so let me take you, take us back to a couple of coaching questions and, and that thought process. Cause oftentimes we start with this, like, what do you want? Mm-hmm. And, and people struggle to answer that question, right? If we're truly being That's sincere. That's my least favorite question. If, if I'm honest, right. literally, that is my yeah. least favorite question. And, and depending on the context of the question, but uh, it goes back to this desires, needs, wants. And for, for mm-hmm. some reason, I find it, it's true for most people, but for high capacity leaders to speak up for their needs, to speak up for their wants, because we're so generous and we're, we're sacrificial and, and serving most everyone, rather where it's our team, our coworkers, our organization, whatever it is, but take, it takes us back to the bedroom of like, we don't to a large degree think that. I don't know if the right word is, is worthy to be able to ask for what we want in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, but that limits our leadership ability in the boardroom as well. And so as we got started and, and you, you found a rhythm of it, you know, I have that question that says, you know, where are you at on this idea of being fully alive? And it goes back to John 10, 10, and this idea that, that Jesus is desiring this abundant life. Right. As we look at the different stories, you know, Jesus asked the blind man, like, what do you want? And it's like, well, of course he wants to be able to see, but, but the deeper issue is like, he wants freedom. And so over and over, we see Jesus asking this very fundamental question of like, okay, what is it that you want? And if you begin to speak it, he's going to pursue that life and download that upon you. But we also have a stewardship to kind of step into that abundant life that, that Jesus wants for us. So as we answer that question, you know, where are you at this week on, on being fully alive, whether from one to 10, um, like, where did you see that at the beginning of our coaching relationship and, and kind of progression along the way as well, uh, just on a, maybe not a necessarily a weekly basis, but like a monthly basis, like how were you able to interpret and internalize that question as, as our relationship developed? That's a hard one. Um, You know, mostly because I don't, I don't know where the benchmark is. I don't really know what fully alive looks like. Um, So I tend to process it more in the question of, uh, you know, my response to John 10, 10 is what does that abundant life look like? And I had, a revelation around that. And I wrote about it, which is reaching for my potential, impacting my world, leaving a legacy. Didn't exactly know what that meant, but as I began to write about it, think about it, I'm like, that's it. That's how I think about the world. So for me, fully alive is reaching for my potential, which is doing self-work, which means am I, and I just simply say, I know I'm making progress if I'm growing. So yes, I'm growing. B, impact my world, 
not the world, just my world, right? I've spent a lot of time trying to impact the world, overlooking my world where I can actually have impact. And so that's where I double back and say, am I, am I engaged with my team? Am I engaged with the uh, important people in my life, maybe my family? You know, yeah, I am, right? Uh, and then the last piece around legacy, um, you know, some of it is stewardship of resources, but mostly I, I look at that as transferring values. You know, you do that with your kids and hope that they come to faith and they grow character. You transfer your values in a company and hope that that process builds culture in a company. But it's a transfer of, of values more than it is a transfer of assets for legacy. And the question there is really one, am I transferring? I feel like that's an area where I'm making modest progress, but making some some progress. So when I go back to fully alive, that is that is my framework of okay. It's not the only framework, but it's one that I go to the most often because it did come from Revelation around John 10 10, because I asked myself, what does an abundant life look like? And I'm like, that's what it looks like. It looks like you're growing yourself. You're impacting those that you've been given to care for. And then ultimately, when you're gone, you've moved the ball forward for the king, for the kingdom, for eternity, um, if, it's, if it's done well. It's interesting, though, that it does start with personal, right? You have to you know, put your own oxygen mask on first kind of parallel. So in terms of your overall question, fully alive in the beginning, fully alive at the end, I would tend to answer is like, am I in the game? Am I making progress? Uh, if so, in what areas? That, that's how I process that question. Right, right, right. So, so maybe just a couple of thoughts, questions in, in closing. Oftentimes we, we have confusion around this idea of abundance, fully alive, uh, in, in the context of our North American culture, right? Because many of us interpret that as it's more, more stuff and more things. And even go back to the point, right? I've, my hands are so full of stuff that that's so much of the abundance that, that Jesus is trying to offer us is, is simply his presence. But in the same regards, I truly believe that we have time, talents, and treasures that we're supposed to multiply uh, to extend his kingdom. So as you consider some of your revenue challenges for like 2021, and I'm going to ask it for, for 2022, what is it that Seth needs to surrender in terms of revenue to multiply your little K kingdom, but also the big K kingdom impact? For 2022 or 2021? Yeah, what, what is it that you kind of recognize like for 2021 yeah. that, that would be helpful to surrender next year? Got it. I think one of them is this um, surrender. Uh, this, I'm going to answer this in a business sense. Yeah. Surrender the belief that the business will look the same in the future. Mm. 
it might, it might not. And, um, and then to say, all right, what are you talking about? Services we offer? Yep. People, people I'm working with? Maybe. You know, nature of the business at all? Maybe. You know, um, I'm already pivoting a little bit more personally from working in our consulting practice to working more in our investing arm. That's where I'm drawn to. But I also have to say that's a privilege. If, 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 if you know, it's kind of like you, you don't get to the dessert unless you, you know, you you clean your plate and eat your peas. You have to do work to get the privilege of doing the more energizing, uh, long-term value-building things. But but you got to do the hard work of managing the day-to-day in order to get that privilege. So. Um, to think the thing that I may need to let go of is this idea that I can do all, do it all. And you say, actually, may you may have to make some, some pivots. And so we've been actually in that process the last few weeks, it's been very challenging at a personal level because I, I know I'm in that painful middle ground where you're, what you are is changing. What you will be is not yet revealed. And it's just, it's just, there's no other way of saying that. It's just hard. You know? Had a had a mentor call that season the ugly middle, uh, mm-hmm. and we've got to figure out how do we walk with humble boldness in the midst of the and ugly joy. <laughs> and, that, and that's been my issue. Yeah. I have not had peace, and I haven't had joy. Yeah. And when that when I get in that position, I have to come back to say, listen, it's definitely my fault. I know it's my fault that I don't have joy and peace because he, Christ promises peace. Yeah. He says his yoke is easy, his burden is light. So I'm like, and this is why I don't let pastors whine at me, by the way, very often. I'm like, well, then you're doing it wrong. I don't know what to tell you. You know, if you're burdened and stressed and all that, it's your fault. And with all due respect, pastoring is hard, but everything's hard. Working in a coal mine is hard, you know, so it's all hard. So. And, and that, that I'm sorry. No, it goes to that, that third component of like um, walking through the ugly season, that ugly middle with a sense of humble boldness and a, and a listening ear, like that attentiveness, mm-hmm. because you won't be able to receive what's next um, if you're not paying attention, right? Uh, and, and in that posture of surrender and the flexibility that you're talking about in, in a business model. Um, so as you, as you multiply 2022, it's really just being willing to say yes and no and be flexible that things are probably going to look different uh, in 11 or 12 months from now. Yeah. In in closing, uh, if I circle back with you, Seth, in in three years, mm-hmm. and and you say, "Man, the last three years have been the best three years of my life." What did Seth do that made those three years, these next three years, the best years of your life? I developed a closer uh, listening relationship with the Lord, became more spirit-led,
I clarified and constrained my activities into the areas that I care most about. And uh, I invested deeply in those that are closest to me, my, my team and my family. That'll work. As the as the saying you goes, write that down. Yeah, you, you should write that down for me. That, that's enough for now, right? That's there's not much more left to it at the end of our day um, than paying attention to the spirit, building those relationships, uh, and cultivating a meaningful life. Yeah. I, I know when you're taking notes, because uh, I've seen it several times, uh, that, that you have some insights and ideas going on. So it's encouraging. Well, I'm, I'm leading a team. Well, I'm not leading. I gave a team an exercise that we'll be going through tomorrow, which is, what do you want what do you want to have done in three years but your question is a powerful question of and what are the things that actually make that happen yeah. I, I think that's like a that's a super question yeah. well seth i am deeply honored and humbled that you said yes to our relationship i know this is not the end um, and then we're doing That's a simple, right. simple podcast and we'll continue on in, in some capacity, but thank you for saying yes to a coaching relationship uh, with me. Um, Lance, it's been uh, my privilege and uh, learned a lot and, and grown a lot and I'm grateful to uh, have gotten to know you and also to be able to refer you to others that I'm, I'm certain that I'll be connecting you. That's one of the things I enjoy. So it's been my privilege.